very good afternoon, ladies and gentlemen. This is a live episode of my Safe Bet Show. My name is Martin Lichka. Those of you who expected Leon Thomas to be here might be a tiny little disappointed. Unfortunately, Leon had to travel back home owing to a family emergency. So it's like going to see Oppenheimer and you get Barbie, but that's disrespectful, <laughs> to Belle. So for those few of you who might not have met Belle Pascal III before, his partner in PPAG, which indeed stands for Princeton Public Affairs Group, a great friend of mine, the man, I sh well, I shouldn't be saying that, but the man who helped me sort out my green card, so thank you very much again, Belle. My first question is, well, could you tell us a little bit about your family history? Because, of course, you're Bill Pascrell III. So there was Bill Pascrell Sr. There is Bill Pascrell Jr. sitting on the Capitol Hill in the House of Representatives. Great man. There also happens to be Billy IV. So what's the story? Martin, thanks for having me. I've, I've, I'm flattered for you to refer to me as Barbie. Uh, I'll take it. <laughs> good, good afternoon, everybody. Good to see you. Great to be back at SBC. And Surely great to be on Martin's podcast, um, The Safe Bet Show, which I was on about a year and a half ago, I think. Yeah, nearly two years ago. Yeah. When I disgraced the U.S. by moving over there. We, we, we filmed it in New York. It was great. And uh, thanks to Martin, it got a lot of good traction. So I come from a political family. My father is 86 years old and about to run for his 16th term in the U.S. Congress. He's a member of the House of Representatives. He's a very good mate of President Biden. He's a lot older than Biden, but I think he's a little bit more energetic and spry, and thank God he's healthy. He just announced his re-election, formerly the mayor of the city of Patterson, which is the third largest state in New Jersey. And at the same time, he was also the minority leader as a Democrat in the New Jersey legislature. He's not a lawyer like us, he's a school teacher. Bill Pascrell Sr., no education, came to the shores of America on a ship from my great home country of Italy uh, and worked his way up through the Erie Lackawanna Railroad. No education, a scrapper, but a Republican. So uh, his son being a Democrat is often, uh, my grandfather's passed away a while ago. He lived to 96, and hopefully my dad will exceed that. My son Billy's 31, a good friend of Martin's, and he is now the U.S. General Counsel of a publicly traded company in our business, Betmakers out of Australia, doing horse racing, tote, and fixed odds across the globe. So I have a lot of politics in me, run campaigns, was counsel to the governor of New Jersey, was also a chief of staff to a member of Congress before my dad went across. Politics is my background, but gaming is my love. Let's stick to New Jersey for a while. I live in Jersey City, one of my favorite immigration stories. I landed in Newark Airport, or they pronounce it Nork in North Jersey, North so North. the bell understands. Coffee, North. <laughs> <laughs> and I walked up to the booth, and the lady asked me where I lived, and I go, Jersey City, and she goes, stone, serious face, where's that? I wasn't sure whether that was part of some kind of a test, so I told her, it's next to Hoboken and New York City's on the other side of the river, and she goes, well, please proceed. So I will never know, but I've answered the question. But 
Needless to say, New Jersey is still the leading state in the nation when it comes to all things sports wagering, to use the Americanism, and online gaming. So, what's the latest on New Jersey? What are the likes of Director Reebok, Governor Murphy going to do about the industry in the state of New Jersey in the next few years? Of course, there's been a little bit of shenanigans around the sunsetting clause of the original legislation. So, um, I'm originally a brick-and-mortar-based lawyer, regulatory affairs consultant, and lobbyist. Uh, represented all the known brands in Vegas and Atlantic City for many, many years. And in 2009, I got into the online space, and I didn't know bupkis about online gaming. I was retained by two companies. One you'll know, and some like Santiago will know the other. Um, first, Poker Stars. Isai Scheinberg's a good friend, remains a good friend created a powerful company, and he saw the wisdom to invest in America to regulate legitimately online gaming. As you know, PokerStars for many years was operating. In Esai's opinion, and in the former Attorney General, Mike Messino of uh, the US, who was his lawyer at the time, opined also that poker really was a skill-based game, and so he thought what he was doing from the Isle of Man in Costa Rica, taking players on from America was acceptable and legal, and he had a, an opinion on that. Fortunately, he served no time. He paid upwards of $750 million to the US Justice Department. His son, Mark, who was one of the top 10 bachelors of Europe, <laughs> paid a $50 million fine. Perhaps less eligible as a result. No, less eligible now after the $50 million, I'm sure. Um, New Jersey is uh, an incredible state. It's my home state. But what New Jersey did was really a trailblazer. The first U.S. jurisdiction to regulate, legislate, regulate online gaming, casino and poker. Back in February, a dean's best mate, Mario Galea, the former regulator, from uh, Malta, and a dear friend of mine retained me 10 years ago to help me advocate to the government after I drafted the bill, sort of a scrivener, and lobbied it to consult with the New Jersey Division of Gaming Enforcement on how to develop proper policies and procedures from a regulatory standpoint, because admittedly, they did not know what was involved. Mario came in, worked there for two years, and developed with Director Reebok and his top brass a really strong, powerful, what I would say, platinum standard for, regula for regulation. They launched on November 23rd of 2013. The original law had a 10-year sunset provision, which was due to expire this November. You would think, and again, I represent many in the industry, that the industry would understand Let's make sure we're ahead of the curve for the reauthorization of the legislation. I was lobbying my own clients to say, get me engaged on this, let's go. Bill, it's going to pass. How do you know? Oh, we know. How can it not? <clears throat> Went from 10 years to two years. 
And then they wanted to get into the game. So the legislators are a little bit disappointed in the industry's continuous contacts with the politicians. We got it to five years as a compromise. We'll be coming back in the new session because the entire legislature's up this November, 40 Senate seats, 80 assembly seats in the lower house. But I think the legislature's look at raising the tax, which we have to push back hard at. Because New Jersey, first state in the nation to regulate online, the lowest tax rate in the country, we need to keep it that way, but it's not gonna happen organically by itself. And then final point, Mark, and if I may say, I was also privileged to be, if you will, the quarterback of the 10-year campaign to repeal PASPA, the federal law, Professional Amateur Sports Protection Act, which banned sports betting in the country except for Nevada, which always had it. There was a two-year opt-in. Nobody really exercised it except for Delaware with parlays. And um, we ultimately, on May 14th, 2018, the U.S. Supreme Court, in great tribute to Governor Christie, Senator Lesniak, and Ted Olson, um, we repealed PASPA, and now we have U.S. sports betting retail online in 36 jurisdictions, plus the District of Columbia. And we'll come on to talk about that. We'll come on to, you'll be pleased to hear, to talk about quarterbacks as well, because now the season, of course, <laughs> has started, and Bill will hate me for those questions. But before we do that, you once famously called the Empire State uh, in New York, not very much the Empire State, but... Rather, the communist empire of betting. Would you want to, in the taxation context, explain yourself? So, uh, full disclosure, I've worked with Martin for the past five plus years. Uh, privileged to work under his leadership on responsible gaming and integrity. And also serve on the Intain Foundation on RG with Martin as our chair and Amani Toomer and I the former New York Giants Super Bowl champ, on that foundation. I never thought 10 years ago, let alone five years ago, I'd be a consultant being paid really properly by Intain to advocate for responsible gaming. The important thing to note is that what Martin has done, particularly across the globe, but even more granularly in North America and now in LATAM, is really try to explain to operators, we have to get ahead of the curve. We have to make sure to create a more sustainable, profitable industry. We're concerned about our consumers and player protection. Now, the RevSite people in the room are gonna be like, uh, because that competes with their ability to get bonuses uh, I don't mean betting bonuses, but I mean work bonuses and promotions, et cetera. But what they don't fully appreciate yet, not everybody axiomatically across the uh, uh, board, what they don't appreciate is your job may not be here next year if the regulators come down, ban advertising, uh, limit the amount accounts can be funded, et cetera. So we have to protect our consumers because they're the mother's milk of creating a more vibrant, sustainable industry. 
can always count on Bell. He spent a lot of time in the corridors of power to run away from questions, but uh, I'll, let, I'll let you get away with it. The answer's important, not, not the question, but let's talk about the hell and going back to your point about advertising. Our by now good friend, Representative Tonko, he put forward a bell designed to impose a blanket ban on all sports betting-related advertising throughout the country and on the federal level. He now seemed to have garnered the support of Representative Joyce from across the aisle. What would be your take on that? Is this a real threat? What's going to happen to the bill? Originally a Democrat bill, but now we've got a Republican on board. So this is um, another example of I don't want to make this about me, but my frustration with the industry. And I'm a part of it, and I love it, and I embrace it, and I have a lot of clients in it. By the way, the show is all about you. You're the guest. <laughs> you can make it about yourself. That's fine. <laughs> when Congressman Tonko introduced his bet ban bill, now, let me say this. Congressman Tonko's from upstate New York representing Saratoga, where the Saratoga racetrack is owned by Naira a massive organization with tracks across the globe, including Lone Star State, uh, 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 Lone Star Park in Texas. So they have massive power. Tonko is a mental health uh, advocate in the Congress, very concerned about mental health issues, not very educated about our industry, and is concerned about the harm that he believes, similar to drugs and alcohol, et cetera, that betting and sports betting and online gaming would do. When the bill dropped, Martin immediately called. We started hovering over it. And the industry dismissed it because it's full of a lot of pedestrian professionals when it comes to lobbying and government affairs and regulatory affairs. They looked up. They didn't know who Congressman Tonko was. They looked him up and said, oh, he's a Democrat. They're in a minority, that bill will never pass. Well, if you recall, when Nancy Pelosi lost the speakership and Kevin McCarthy came in after 15 votes last January, this past year, Martin and I were there for that. Interestingly, they only have a five seat majority. Five seats flip, the Democrats are in control. And I'm not saying that's going to happen and I'm not advocating for it to happen in this audience. But what I'm saying is, you have to take that bill seriously, because there's many purposes of putting a bill out to make a statement. It's not always to pass a bill. Regulators, governors, legislators, and state legislatures across America are looking at that bill and saying, huh, maybe we better give a think about this. So Martin and I, a thanks in great part to my dad, who helped set the meeting up for us, met with Congressman Tonko for a nice long meeting with his chief of staff and his legislative director last May, just before Memorial Day weekend. And we've convinced him that there needs to be a better thought about it. And then I was able, thanks to Martin and Great Park, to debate him at the Naira conference in August about the bill, not in a dodgy way, but just to explain that, Congressman, what you're going to do if we ban advertising, this applies to any jurisdiction, Europe, South America, Canada, Australia, Southeast Asia. It applies across the globe. Africa, you ban advertising, 
You're driving customers to the black market. You're driving them away from the regulated market. Advertising, media, affiliates are a critical part to keeping the consumer protected and on the right rails. It's also our responsibility to protect our customers. So Tonko's given a think about it, but we're now even more grossly concerned that Congressman Joyce from Ohio, who's a Republican, I would say a right-minded Republican, is now on the bill. Because now that bill has an opportunity to move in the current legislature, which you know is a two-year Congress. The elections are next year in uh, November. We would surely need more Republicans, like Congressman Joyce, but let's not talk about yeah. the risk of government shutdown. Right. Hopefully McCarthy will figure out a way of Nine avoiding it. As you've said, 15 votes to get elected a speaker, but I don't want to talk about that. The Coalition for Fair Gambling, originally a UK concept, and they now have landed ashore in the States. They've been, if I may use that phrase, quarterbacked in the States by our friend, Brian Dora Chaval. They happen to be having an event, for the record, we're filming on the 21st of September, an event on the Hill next week with Tonko and Joyce involved. What's your take on the coalition? How do you think this will pan out? What, as an industry, what would be your advice to the industry as to what we need to do besides, which is something we have already done, besides reaching out and having a chat? I'm, I'm a big advocate for transparency, education, before advocacy. We need to do a better job as an industry, and this doesn't just apply in America. This applies across the globe, from Australia to London to Italy to the CIS region, uh, everywhere in the globe. We need to do a better job as an industry of realizing regulators and politicians are very critical. Why? They pass legislation or they don't, and they license us. The most valuable asset in your company, if you're regulated, is your license. You want to protect that. You want to keep that license. You lose it, <laughs> you um, obliterate the opportunity to print money, make money, generate revenue, create jobs. I am not a huge fan of the way this new coalition is moving forward. I think they're full of very good intentions but I think they have to do a better job of clarifying their mission. Our mission, not that we're in competition with them, but our mission is we promote gambling. We're not against it. We promote it, but we also promote a more proactive self-regulatory regime. There are some dodgy jurisdictions across the globe. I will not name them you probably know what I'm talking about, that have really could care less about regulation or not. I was in a cab last week in Laguna Beach, California at the, if I may say, the EGR Power Summit. I think I can say that. It's on record now, you can, you have. And the cab driver, who was a lovely guy, stockbroker, obviously struggling a little bit because he's now an Uber driver, was asking us what we did for a living, and I was with the guys from Continent 8 and another operator who shall remain nameless. 
And as we began to tell him what we did for a living, it was great and all. And I said, so how do you gamble? What do you think he said? He doesn't fly to Vegas. He doesn't go up to Washington or Oregon. He said, I have two companies I gamble with. Daily, Bovado and Bodog. Why am I telling you that? Last year, the industry spent north of $600 million to try to lobby and get a ballot referendum passed in the state of California. It started out at 32% in the polls. They tried to lobby me to get involved in the campaign. I don't like to be involved in anything that I know is a losing effort. It's not always about the money. It's about the pride factor, particularly when it comes to me. It started out at 32% and barely got 18 after spending 600 million. You know what the industry said? And you could Google to see who said it. Well, the Indian tribal ballot referendum, which was number 26, the industry was 27, their referendum failed too. I said, yeah, their referendum was designed for yours to fail, but it got almost twice as many votes as you did. Why? The tribes are very politically connected. They have votes, they have money, and the tribal chiefs, there's 60 tribes federally recognized in California, have a lot of power, not to dictate like a autocracy, but to educate their tribal citizens on what's good and what's bad. The industry's got to do a better job. Another example of working collaboratively with the tribes. I don't think California is going to happen anytime soon, and we know it's the eighth largest economy in the globe. It's not going to happen anytime soon because the average voter in California, we just saw him in the cab or the Uber, is on Bavada or Bulldog or gets in a car and drives across the border. <laughs> That's the California governor calling Bell about this. <laughs> well, I suppose talking about what might have been, it could be a nice segue into talking about iGaming, or in European parlance, online casino and poker in the States. You said it yourself. North of 35 states, plus, of course, number, a number of tribal jurisdictions have regulated sports wagering in one way or another. Not all of them happen to have internet or mobile sports betting, but it's 30, 30 plus. And compare and contrast that with eight, or as I tend to say, seven and a half states to have regulated online casino. By the way, seven and a half, to explain that, Nevada only, have, only has, has only regulated online poker. The other seven states have all the verticals, i.e. casino games and poker. So what do you think is the issue? Do you think that 2024 will finally be the year when iGaming catches fire in the likes of New York State, Indiana, Illinois? And also, could there be an issue with the fact that, unlike sports betting, also on the RG side of things, iGaming doesn't really seem to have a robust enough narrative behind it? Couple of couple of top-line facts. New Jersey was the first state to pass the bill in February of 13, 2013. Delaware and Nevada came right after. Delaware with both casino and poker, Nevada, scratch your head. Supposedly, or maybe at one time, I don't know if it still is, it's an opinion, was the capital of gaming, at least in North America. 
poker only, like you scratch your head. That has a lot to do with the fallacy that somehow online is gonna cannibalize offline. That's a very Byzantine view of the world. Online complements and promotes and trampolines uh, opportunity for the offline. But would you think that 10 years later, plus six months, only four more states came on? Four more states in 10 years while in the last five years, 36 states plus the District of Columbia have legalized sports betting. Not California, not Texas. We know Florida is tied up in the courts, the federal courts, but I'm optimistic that it's gonna be successful for the hard rock there. I'm very optimistic. I think what I've learned, because I was far more optimistic, now don't confuse my lack of optimism I am still a big proponent and I'm lobbying in every state in the nation to pass online gaming because when you tell a governor or a senator or a representative that your citizens are already betting online, you're not getting any value out of it and you're certainly not protecting your uh, constituents because they're betting on black market sites. Who knows if they'll get paid? And, those sites could care less about problem gambling, which we're very concerned about. Rhode Island is the only state to go this year, and you know, Rhode Island's like the size of a county in New Jersey. Very small population. Bally's will be the dominant force there because they essentially are the only game in town. We're sorting those regulations out for an April 1 launch. I am moderately optimistic, 55% that Indiana will go next year. But there are so many other states like New York, for example, that have bills in the hopper that haven't even moved off the dime. People will complain, ah, the industry will complain. Ah. It's our job to move the dial. We did it when nobody thought we could in New Jersey, um, and everybody laughed at us. I lost all my brick and mortar casino clients. They were all against online gaming. Now they're all thriving from it because if it wasn't for online gaming during the pandemic, those casinos would have never reopened. Let me feed off of what you said just to further prove to the audience, both here in the room and behind the camera, that this has not been scripted. The black market. And I'll use an example. We went to see our other friends, Sonata Adobo, in late January was an opportunity for me to do a trip to his Queen's office. And he said, well, boys, cool. You're telling me that there's still a thriving black market in my state of New York. Bring me the proof. Where's the proof? What's your take on the proof? How can we get the proof to those noisayers and faint of heart and of little faith, perhaps, who may not yet believe the industry that there still is a thriving black market and not only in the state of New York. I think there's multiple ways to do that. We know that, for example, the FBI in America and the US Justice Department has made predictions, analysis, if you will, on what the regulated market looks like. We believe that the black market um, is far larger than the regulated market. It's very hard to get data, 
but I'll tell you the best way to get it. And I used to get it in little paper bags from them and deliver it to the regulators. Affiliates, legit affiliates that work in multiple jurisdictions can get you data on what's happening in the black market. And then there's other companies that are in the RG space, in the KYC space, in the geolocationing space that also have massive data that we could provide to show it. But I also give sort of snippets of my own life. When I first was lobbying this issue of online gaming 11 and 12 years ago, my two children, I guess my thing fell off? I don't know. My two boys, Billy's now 31. I told you he's the GC in the Americas for Bentmakers. Christopher's in the hospitality industry. Christopher's 27. They were both already betting back then on some of the names I mentioned, them poker stars. Back then, when they were 20, even when they were 16. Just call up a young person today that's not able to go on to a regulated site because of the age restriction, right? They try to get on, can't get on, or they try to go and get mom and dad's phone, you know, that game. What do they do? Let's go on the illegal market. Just, just poll. We know, for example, the NCAA did a study, which Martin was involved in. Massive numbers of young folk are betting on sport. You can assume from that, they're also in casino and poker. It's a fun thing to do. So legislators are always, I believe, most trying to do the right thing. We just haven't done a good job of persuading them. But Martin, I think the affiliates are the easiest way for us to get the data, because I'm not sure that there's a lot of other easy ways to get it. We got about five minutes left before I ask my next question. Hello, Billy DeForth. As usual, your father grasped you up. We'll try to edit this bit out. So you're not an addicted gambler. You're not going to lose your licenses as the general counsel of betmakers. But on a serious note, the national helpline. NCPG been running it, uh, support from within the industry for the helpline to be expanded across the nation. There have always been few shenanigans. They don't like the national helpline in Florida, as an example, a few other places. At the same time, it would appear that one, the national helpline is being used for all sorts of other purposes. Lots of folks believe, oh, this is the number at the bottom of the screen, so I'm going to call them and ask about my locked out account or where I can get the latest and fattest bonuses from an operator. And sadly, it also still seems to be understaffed and underfunded. So what's your take on this whole story about the national helpline in the US? Oh. So I've been referred to by the gentleman next to me in a kibitzing way, but there's some seriousness as an obnoxious outside counsel. It was far worse. Uh, I, 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 I would say, I don't take that as an insult, but I would say this, I'm very passionate about what I do. I don't do it casually. A lot of folks in the industry, lawyers and consultants, are churning. They're not really that passionate about it, they'll take on any client. Why don't I tell you that? Martin and I have been on a multi, 
state tour in the Americas to talk about RG. We've been doing it for quite some time. When we were recently earlier this year in New York, not only to meet with legislators, but to meet with Oasis, which is the state-run problem gambling organization, you know what they said to us? Well, we thought we had to go there to educate. What's this rubbish that these national organizations, which Martin mentioned earlier, are talking about the trampoline effect to calls to the 1-800 number? I said, what do you mean? Do you know the majority of those calls, the majority of those calls are for cash out, tech problems, um, having nothing to do with problem gambling? A call to the 1-800 number should not be assumed as the person making the call is concerned about problem gambling. They see at the bottom of the consumer-facing page on their iPad or their tablet or their laptop or their desktop or their phone, 1-800 number. I'm having problems. Let me call the 1-800 number. I will also say this. We have to do a far better job, not just the organization Martin mentioned, but all of the state councils at what's behind that 1-800 number and, correct, and collect proper data, not just gross data, which has nothing to do with the trampoline effect. We know, for example, there's organizations which Martin has brought to the table that are legitimate. For example, Harvard Medical School, UNLV, Seton Hall, Mindway, um, Kindbridge, Epic, all of those organizations have done massive research, academic-based. There's been no trampoline effect on problem gambling. It still hovers around one and a half to two percent. But it's our job to make sure we're working harder on self-regulation to prevent which could easily happen. And I'll, I'll finish on this topic with this. I've said it before, most of you haven't seen me before, we are one newspaper headline away from some politician or regulator, son, daughter, mother, father, brother, sister, uncle, aunt, or next door neighbor, from going down the rat hole on problem gambling, and this whole industry will become obnoxiously more difficult to operate in. It's not that easy to make a profit on the sports betting side, we know that, because the margins are thin. It's far more profitable to do profits with online gaming, why the hell would you spend 600 million to, to pass a sports betting law when you could have spent 10% of that and gotten multiple states across the line? So, so I think we need to do a far better job of working within our own verticals and getting CEOs in the operator business to take seriously the head of RG in their companies, which will create a more sustainable industry. You have, and I'm letting myself down, 50 seconds to wrap it up. Would you mind conveying your key messages to the audience and thanks for sticking around? I, I want to personally thank all of you for coming. Even if you nodded off, uh, try to give you my true beliefs, uh, my passion for what we're doing. Honored to be sitting next to Martin. He's uh, made a big difference in my life. Hopefully I've had a little bit of value to his life. He's got a great family. Um, I think better days are coming. 
And I think the accelerator for that, as we're winding down, is when the industry takes more seriously the topic we're talking about in this stage today. So when the RG lead comes into the room, they're not kind of dismissed afterwards and let's now focus on what we're doing. That one hand your number should not be a check the box and let's go. Thank you for coming and hopefully you take something from here uh, and not badmouth me too much. Bang on the money. Thank you very much, Bill. Please put it together for Bill Proskell III. And this was my safe bet show live here at SBC Global Barcelona.